We are in a, a series called Legacy, and we're looking at uh, this idea of legacy is the future without you, but still influenced by you. If you want to write that down, you can kind of write that down. It's kind of the, the definition of legacy that we're, we are sharing is the future without you, but still influenced by you, that all of us in here are going to leave a legacy. Talked about that last week that everyone has a legacy, everyone's going to leave a legacy. The question is, what is your legacy going to be? You're going to leave one, you might as well live one that your kids and your grandkids are proud of. And so we've been talking through this idea of what that was. Last week we shared um, in Vision Weekend just some exciting things that we have uh, coming forward with our church, where we've gone, and then where we're heading as a church, and just some really exciting days across all of our campuses. If you don't know, we are one church in three locations, we have not only this Jennings one, but we have one in Eunice, one in Crowley, and God's doing a lot across our church as a whole, and just really excited for what God's doing and, and where we're heading. Today, though, um, I'm going to take a little bit of a, of a different direction talking about legacy because I think you've got to understand why legacy is so important before you can ever live one and leave one. You've got to understand what is the motivation behind it in the first place. And so today's message is really the motivation behind legacy. It's the motivation behind generosity. It's the motivation behind why we exist as a church and why we do what we do. Today's topic is one of the number one sources of motivation for Christians to be generous. It's the number one motivations for Christians to do good work. It's the number one motivation that I think helps you and I through our hardest seasons of life. If you're just going through a rough season right now, today's topic is hopefully the greatest motivation for you to stand and to continue to fight and continue to stay faithful and continue to believe God. And the topic today that I'm talking about is heaven. Heaven. We don't, we don't talk a lot about heaven um, there's a lot more talk about earth and what we do today, and, and, and rightfully so, we're living in it. But you need to understand that there is more to this life than this life. And when you understand there is more to this life than this life, you can get through this life. That's like a tongue twister there. When you understand there's more to this life than this life, you can get through this life in a whole nother way. It gives you hope. I, you know, as a, as a pastor, you know, uh, we get invited, Pastor JJ, myself, Pastor Bubba, we get invited into people's most horrific moments of life. Uh, I've, I've walked right into ICU rooms where people were on their deathbeds. I've, I've walked up to suicide scenes. Um, I've gotten phone calls in the middle of the night that were extremely tragic. I mean, I've, I've walked in some very horrific, very hard moments, and the one thing that I've noticed that has helped people that are going through horrific tragedies is for them to have this hope right here that this life is not the only life. There's another life on the other side. Amen. Come on, how many of you have ever, how many, how many have lost a family member and you're just thankful that this isn't the last you're going to see them? You're going to see them again. There's another side. I'll tell you, there, there's, a, there's a hope that you get when you understand that this life's not the only one. And so today I, I want to share how all throughout Scripture, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and God used eternity and heaven to be our, the motivating factor for what we do on earth. And so I want us to start in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going to begin. And I want to read uh, a passage of Scripture from the Apostle Paul. And he says this, Command those who are rich 
in this present world. Now, let me just stop there real quick before I go any further, because as soon as it says commandos are rich, most of us in here go, well, I'm out. <laughs> Come on, how many feel that way? <laughs> I'm gone. Uh, I just need you to understand this, though. When you hear the word rich, you need to understand the context of it, but you also need to understand you do apply into this, because if you drove here in a car, you're rich. Like if you went home to a home with running water and electricity and food in a refrigerator, you're rich. Like you are rich. You don't realize it because oftentimes we compare ourselves to people who have a lot more than us. But how many know there's a lot more people who have a lot less than you than have more than you? So you are rich. I am rich. And, and Paul is saying, command those who are rich in this present world. And he's assuming that we understand that there's a present world, but there's also another world that's to come. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in who? Okay, here we go. Watch the next verse. It says this. Who richly provides us, I love this, richly provides us with everything for, what's those blue words? Our enjoyment. Now listen, based off of different preachers that you probably have heard before, you may have heard people say that you aren't supposed to enjoy the things that you have. That is furthest from the truth. God has called us to not only have things, but things and stuff and the blessings of God are also meant for our enjoyment. You should enjoy them. You should richly enjoy the things that God has given you. But you also need to understand that it doesn't stop at you. This is why he goes on and he says, you need to enjoy them. So listen, it's not wrong to go on a vacation. Go on a vacation. Enjoy what you have. But you need to understand that there is more for what God has given you. Because he says, now command them to do good. Command them to be rich in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. Amen. And here's the motivating factor. Here's why you're going to be generous and you're going to be willing to share. And here's why you're going to do all this, because in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. This is speaking of a, a time, a coming time. What is he speaking of? He's talking about heaven. That, that if you're going to lay up treasure for yourself, just make sure that you understand there's, there's coming an age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And this is what God has called us. And part of my job as your pastor, is to not only help you in this life, but it's to help you get ready for the next life. Because how many know forever is a long time? Forever is a long time. And so right now, we want to be in a place where we get our hearts and get ourselves ready for the next life. Uh, last year, I, I did a message um, actually in this series, and I called it YOLT, YOLT. And it was based off of the hashtag that we've all heard, YOLO. YOLO. How many heard the YOLO hashtag? Yeah, YOLO. You only live once. Okay. And so it was kind of this term where uh, you can just kind of do whatever you want to do because you only live once. So like just do whatever you want to do. It was a hashtag for stupid people um, and to do stupid things, right? Because they do something really stupid and they'd be like, hashtag YOLO. And you'd be like, you a fool. <laughs> that's, that's just like, no. No, 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 no by, by no means. And so we said last year, we're going to change it to YOLT. You only live twice. Like, you, you don't live once. Like, when you die, you live again. Uh, you're going to live again somewhere. My prayer is hopefully heaven. Um, that's, that's our prayer more than anything. 
But God has called us to live a certain way on this life so we can get prepared for the next one. And so I want to share today in kind of two, two segments. I'm going to share why heaven is our motivation, and then I'm going to share how it is. So let's talk about why. Let's get the why first, because once you know the why, you know the way. And so let's begin here. So number one, if you want to take this, write this down. Because heaven, not earth, is my home. Because heaven, not earth, is my home. Every time when the disciples would come to Jesus with some kind of problems, I love it that Jesus would not give them earthly solutions. He would give them heavenly solutions to earthly problems. Watch what it says in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, he tells his guys, hey, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be troubled. I know you freaked out. I know you're worried right now. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And now he's going to kind of flip the script. You're, you're like, where is he going? Hey, because there's more than enough room in my father's house. What? If, if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I'm going to come and I'm going to get you so that you will always be with me where I, I am. Any of y'all had children that were... Um, didn't enjoy going to school, like maybe pitched a fit when they went to school or, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you're going, you know, you, you get to school. And this is what you would tell them before you drop them off. I'm going to pick you back up. Like, I'm going to pick you up. Like, don't worry. Like, don't freak out. And that was meant as an encouragement. Like, hey, just get through the day. Mom's not leaving you here. You're not sleeping at school. Okay. I'm going to come and get you. Right. That was used as an encouragement like, hey, get through the eight hours. You'll be okay. I'm going to come and get you. This is kind of what Jesus is doing to his disciples. Hey, I know you're freaked out right now, but I just need you to know, don't worry about what you're going through right now. I'm going to come and pick you up. I'm going to come and bring you to your home because this isn't home. You're passing through. You're just here for a little bit, but we're going to bring you back home. And so this is what God is telling, or Jesus is telling these guys is, hey, listen, I know you got some issues. Hey, I know you got some stuff that's going on, but I just want you to know that I am going to come and get you. And all throughout um, the scriptures, you see Jesus reverting back to this heavenly posture of, hey, don't, don't get so consumed with what's going on here. Like, I know you got bills. I know. I know there's stress. I know the mother in law is crazy. Don't worry. I'm going to bring you home. You're not staying here. We're going to bring you home. My grandmother was a, was a worship leader. And, and so I remember the 80s worship. 80s worship was very different than what today's worship is. Because in the 80s, there was a lot of songs that you would sing at church that were about heaven. I don't know if y'all, I don't know how many were actually in here that were in the 80s, but um, not many. Um, but those, how many remember the heaven, the heaven song? I remember you go to a funeral and they were singing, I'll fly away, oh glory. Come on, do I have any people in the house that remember? Okay, all right, all of us that are not millennials. Okay, so I'll fly away. This is, this, there were songs all about this one day, this heaven. And, and this is what Paul says to Philippians when he says it this way. In Philippians, he says, there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ, and they are headed for destruction. Well, how are they headed for destruction? Watch what he says in the next verse. Their God is their appetite. 
Now, he's not saying like they have like a hankering for gumbo or something. Like that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about just actual food. He's talking about passions and desires that their God is whatever they're passionate about, whatever they desire, that is their God. They brag about shameful things and they think only, here we go, everybody help me. They think only about what? This life here on earth. They're so consumed with this life here on earth. And then he says, but for all of us who are followers of Christ, we are what? Citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. heaven, Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. This is not your home. You're not staying here. This isn't, don't, don't get so, don't get comfortable with this place. We're passing through. Heaven is our home. Let me give you the second thing here. Number two is because the line is longer than the dot. The line is longer than the dot. Okay, so I have a visual illustration of this here. Okay, so I want you to imagine that this rope represents the line, okay? All right, let's see here. Here we go. Let's unroll it. Here you go. There you go, Samuel. Thank you. All right. Sorry, Julian. All right, so I want you to imagine that this line here represents eternity. I want you to, this line would, you know, go all around this room, wrap around infinity, okay? So this is the line. It's longer than the blue dot, Now, here's what I want you to understand, though. This blue dot represents your life right now. Right now. Like, all of your life is lived within this blue dot. And all of the rest of your life is going to be lived in this long line. This is small and finite, and this is long and infinite. And think about how much people are so consumed with the blue dot. We live all of our life, working all of our life to save, 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 save money so I can just have my little retirement right here. (laughs) Right? And how you live the blue dot will affect how you live the long line. So you need to understand that when you get so consumed with the troubles of the blue dot, The line is longer than the dot. This is why Paul could say something like this. What I am walking through is momentary and light. It's a light affliction. What? This isn't light. This is heavy. God was in prison, was beaten. No, because he says, you know what? Because this is momentary compared to this. So listen to me. Whatever you're going through right now, however as hard as hell as you think it is, it is momentary and light compared to all of eternity. That God has so much more for you on the other side, and God is just going, just stick it out, just stick it out, just stick it out, just keep going, just keep being faithful, stay faithful, stay faithful, because the line is longer than the dot. Now let me read you a scripture that says this, because the Bible commends this kind of living, and Hebrews 11 gives us the stories of men and women who live this way. Look in verse 14 and 16. It says, people who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their what? For their true home. They were after, here we go, a what? A far better country. Everybody say better. Far better country than that heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city 
waiting for them. City, capital C city, not lowercase c, but a place that God has a, a city, a better country. Now, here's why I believe most people are more excited about this life than they are the next life. And here's why. Because we think we're living in the better. Yeah. <laughs> oh now, watch, let me, let me prove it to you. How many of you want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. How many of you want to go to heaven? Okay, put your hands down. How many of you want to go right now? Four, five, six. Okay. You notice how many people did not raise their hand. Why? Because you think you're living in the better. You think you're living in the better right now. That's why you go, well, I don't, I don't. no, no, no. I remember like before I got married, I was like, Jesus, just let me get married. Please, just let me, before you come, just let me get married. I want to get married. I want to get married. <laughs> I always imagine like I would, you know, say I do, and then like I'd be going to my honeymoon night, and then the trumpet would blast. Bah, bah, bah! I'm like, no! <laughs> I'm just being real, okay? That was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's 11.15. I can do this kind of stuff, all right? So listen. Y'all aren't religious, are y'all? If you are now, you can just go ahead. Sorry, this is it. So the reason why we often are so filled and consumed with this life is because we really think this is the better. Like, you realize, like, one day God is going to remake all of this. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Y'all realize like you're going to be in heaven, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's also going to be a new earth and God's going to restore it like it was with Adam and Eve. And you're going to come back here and there's going to be the better weather and there's going to be, hey, listen, no more pain and no more cancer, no more mosquitoes. Come on, somebody. Uh, or at least they don't bite us. I don't know. <laughs> okay. LSU and Saints always win. And so we got <laughs> just better. It's just better. Everybody say this with me. Say, heaven is better. Heaven is Come on, say it one more time. Heaven is better. Heaven is better. It's better. Yes. It's better. Like, I, I, I know life and whatever it is right now you think is, is good. I'm just telling you, heaven's better. And, and you're going to go to a, a, a path of destruction when you think that this is better than that. And I think the reason why we think this is better than that is because we have a false image of what heaven is going to be. Like you think it's like fat cherubs, like with harps on a cloud. Listen, that's hell, people. That is hell. That is not heaven whatsoever. Heaven is going to be where we enjoy one another. I think we're going to eat the best food. I'm sure it's going to be mostly Cajun food. Come on, somebody. We're going to be in the ever-presence glory of God. But we're going to be enjoying one another. Before there was sin, what was Adam and Eve doing? Enjoying one another. Enjoying the, the world that God had created with their creator. Like it's not, it, we just have such a wrong mentality of heaven. And because we have a wrong mentality of heaven, we don't want to go there now. But I'm going to just tell you right now, I long for the day to be there. I can't wait for the day to see my grandfather. I can't wait for the day to see loved ones to celebrate with them. So you gotta know that heaven is not your home. I mean, heaven is your home, earth is not your home. That the line is longer than the dot. And let me give you number three, because there's limited time and incredible opportunity. Why do we wanna make a difference? Why do we wanna leave a legacy that really matters? Because there's limited time and there's incredible opportunity. Every person on the planet has limited time. I'm sorry to tell you this, but there is a countdown on your life right now. And some, it is shorter than others. And no one knows what that is except for God himself. 
And I believe that all of us do have a limited time, but I think not all of us have incredible opportunity. Some of us have incredible opportunities. God has given us incredible opportunities. Some of us have had incredible opportunities and we've missed them. Some of us have incredible opportunities to come. I think God is always giving us opportunities. We just have to have the eyes to see them as opportunities. And God is, you know, God has given our church incredible favor in, in supernatural ways. And God has given us favor in, in our schools, which is incredible opportunity. I think to plant more campuses in the coming years. I mean, there's just incredible opportunity that we have as a church to be a blessing. But, but it is an opportunity. And, and here's what I know. To whom is given, much more is required. So to whom much is given, much more is required. So you're praying like, God, give me a raise. God, give me more. God, give me this. God, give me that. And you don't realize what you're asking for. That when you ask for that, you're also asking for the responsibility that now comes with that. Because how many know there, the more is for something than just you? Exactly. So God doesn't mind us being blessed. He wants you to be. But he wants you to understand that you are blessed to be a blessing, Amen. not just to be blessed. Are you with me? Is everybody with me today? Okay. So this is what Ephesians says, what Paul was writing to the Ephesus church. He said, hey, be careful how you live. Be careful. And every time he says, be careful, and over the past couple of weeks, we've been sharing scriptures with you that, that have it starting like this. Be careful. And anytime you see be careful, you need to really underline and highlight and start looking at what he says next. Don't live like fools. Live like those who are wise and watch this, they make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. This is what God wants you to do. Let me give you number four. Why is heaven a motivation for us? Because it's smart. It's just smart. If you knew you were going to put your resources in a place and you know you would lose it, or you know it would immediately not, if you, you knew you were going to put your money in a stock exchange and you knew six months later or a year later or whatever that was going to crash, would you still put it in there? Yes or no? No, no of course not. You would know immediately, okay, I'm not going to put my money there because I know that's what's going to happen. And so Jesus gives the greatest insider trader tip in the world. And this is what he says. Watch what Matthew 6 says. Don't stir up treasures here on earth. Because, hey, moths are going to eat it. Rust is going to destroy it. Thieves are going to break in and steal it. This is where. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, their desires of your heart will be also. Store your treasures in heaven. Now, say, Pastor, what does that mean, store your treasures in heaven? Let me tell you the, the two things that will be in heaven that we know for sure. God, Ready? And people. So where do I put my treasure? God and people. Where am I going to invest my time, my talent, my treasures, my, my energy, my efforts in God and in people? Because these are the two things. <laughs> she said, in animals. Mm, some of them. Um, we're not going to start on that one, okay? So... 
This is where God has called us. He says, make sure you're putting your investment where you're going to get the greatest return. Which, by the way, the, the greatest places you'll get your return is in God and people. And people. So let's, let's change gears here for a minute. So we're talking about why. Heaven's our home. The line is longer than the dot. We got limited time, incredible opportunity. It's smart. But how do we do all this? Well, in order for you to do this, you need to understand this. If legacy is our goal, I want you to write this down, then my, my, my is our enemy. Okay, so the title of today's message is My, My, My. And I'm going to show you why right here. Jesus gives a parable when he starts talking about um, our treasure, when he starts talking about our talent, when he starts talking about uh, what we have. He gives a parable in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, and he says this. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Good problem to have? That's a good problem to have. Now watch what he says. Then he says, I know. I'm going to just tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll just sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat. Drink. Have fun. YOLO. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. See, you're going to die this very night. And here's, let me just show you why he's saying this. Oftentimes, people who have a lot of resources also think they have a lot of time. But just because you have a lot of stuff doesn't mean you always have a lot of time. Because how many know tomorrow's never promised? And God's letting them know, hey, tonight you're dying. And then guess what? Who's going to get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus would go on and he would say in other passages, he says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? I, I, so as I was reading that this week, here's one of the things I felt like the Lord was telling me. I didn't call him a fool because he had a lot of stuff. I was like, what are you talking about? God, what, what do you... He said, think about this. Who gave him the ability to have all the crops he had? Who, who made the seed, Colonel? God. Who made the sun that shined on the field? God. Who put the nutrients in the soil to make it actually grow? Who gave the man the energy and the health to actually go harvest the crops? God. Okay, so, so this is, I felt like God was telling me, I didn't call him a fool because he had abundance, he had a lot. I blessed him with the a lot. I called him a fool because he didn't know what the more was for. He did not understand what the more was for. And so how do we have a rich relationship with God? How do we, how do we, what is God calling us when he has given us? Watch, number one, we've got to act like a steward, not an owner. Notice all throughout this passage what he said. Three times he said, my crops, my barns, my wheat. Well, you know what that says? 
my, my, my. And yet he has failed to realize that it is not actually his. It was God's barn and God's crop and it was God's wheat and this was God's doing. Nothing in here was just him alone. And one of the healthiest things that you and I can do is when we say this statement, God, you own it all. God, you own it all. God, you own it And now I know some of you are like, Pastor Josh, I don't know what you're talking about. Why does God own it all? I, I did all this. I did a lot of this. Okay, really? Well, let me show you. I'll show you two passages of scripture. Psalms 24, verse one. The earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone and all that live in it, everything that is in it. You're, you're the Lord's. I'm the Lord's, we're all the Lord's. It sounds like a song or something. Okay, watch what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy puts it this way. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who what? Gives you the ability to produce wealth. The fact that you have the ability and the mind to actually do the job that you do is God's. There is nothing that you can take credit for. It is God's and God's alone. It is all his. So um, a couple years ago, I took my boys to an LSU game, went to an LSU game, and one of my sons um, got hungry while we were watching the game. He was like, Dad, can I get some popcorn? Can I get some popcorn? Sure. Okay. So gave him some money, and they went and got some popcorn, came back, and so, you know, he's sitting right next to me, and uh, I'm not going to say which one it is. It's my middle one. And, um, <laughs> and so I, uh, he's not in this room right now, and he, so I was like, hey, can I have some popcorn? And he looks at me, and he says this, get your own. <laughs> yeah, y'all did just what I did. <gasps> so there's a couple, couple, there's a couple things you got to think through at that moment. Number one is, does he fail to realize those are my popcorn? Like, that's mine. Like, that's my money that you bought, so that's actually mine. Number two is, I am physically bigger than you. I could literally rip this popcorn from your hands and backslap you at this moment at the same time. That's what I wanted to do. That was the first one that I wanted to do. I had to resist myself. And then number three is, I have enough money in my wallet right now, I could go to the concession stands and buy enough popcorn to rain popcorn down on your head to just let you know who your daddy is. <laughs> All of those scenarios could be played out at any moment. And so for him to go, get your own, he failed to realize that he had mine. Ready? So this is what God does to us when he says, can I have some popcorn? And we go, get your own. And God goes, <laughs> that is mine. And I'm big enough, I could rip it from your hands right now if I wanted to. And by the way, my streets are paved with gold. I don't have a money issue. I could rain down popcorn on you at this moment if I wanted to. Because God is not after your money, he's after your heart. And if you fail to realize that everything that you have is God's, God has ways of proving it to you. Everything you have is God's. Your car is God's. Your house is God's. Your marriage is God's. Your kids are God's. 
Now, if you want to give them back to God sometime, then you've got to work that out with him. <laughs> I'm sure your kids would want to give you back to God at times as well. Everything is the Lord's. And so here's, here's, here's the question that I wrote down. Ready? There's two questions. First question is a question we shouldn't ask. How much of my money should I give? Real question is, how much of God's money should I keep? Because really, everything that I have is God's. If my house is God's, if my kids are God's, if my marriage is God's, if my job is God's, if everything I have is God's, then I should be asking, God, how do you want me to, to handle my house? Do you want me to open it up for people to come and use? God, how do you want me to handle my vehicle? Is it just for me? Is it, yes, it's for my enjoyment, but it's also, yet again, what is the more for? Y'all with me? So, so we've got to realize that God is calling us. We are God's managers. We are God's managers. Number two, we got to be intentional. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over, to make up your mind what you're going to give. We say this every week. Never want people giving because of compulsion. I love, he, he says this, this is why you make up your mind. This is why you take time to really pray and ask God what you should give because the next verse says it this way. This way. Can you put the next one up? It says, oh, there it is. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. And God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God never wants us to be giving out of compulsion or because someone's playing a story or someone's trying to like, you should. It's never been that. It's always been out of the abundance of what Christ has done for me, the least that I could do is actually give back to him. And yet again, this isn't just money. This isn't everything that we have, that we would live open-handed in everything that God's given us, that we should always be praying, God, what do you want to do? Through I pray tomorrow morning you wake up and go, God, what do you want to do through me today? You need to be generous, not just in your money. Come on, how many you know you need to be generous in your compliments? You need to be generous in your encouragement. You need to be generous in your faith. You need to be generous in sharing what God has. Come on, how many know if God has richly given you forgiveness, you should be generous in giving forgiveness. If God has richly given you grace, come on, how many know you should be rich in giving grace? Like whatever you've been given much of, give much of. And you need to be intentional in that. Think of ways that you can do that. So that's how we're doing it as a church. Even as we come into the legacy offering, which is next weekend, and believing and praying and, and asking the Lord what he wants us to do, my wife and I are doing the exact same thing we're asking y'all to do. We're praying and asking the Lord, God, what do you want us to do as part of helping see these projects happen? The reason why we give you this date and don't just pop it up is because we want you to pray. I want you to ask God. I'm not asking you. I want you to ask God. And here's what I know. When you talk to God, God talks to you. So you say, God, what do you, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to be a part? And then next weekend, we'll, we'll all come in and we'll all be a part of helping do what God's calling us to do to reach more people and build more lives. Number three, as we close this out, is we got to give ourselves to God. I love what John Bonnell says. He says it this way. If one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. If one will first give himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. Listen to me close as we close out today. God really could care less about your money. He wants you. Yeah. 
And if he gets your money and he doesn't get you, he didn't win. He wants your heart. He wants you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, for you are not your own. That God bought you with a price. He gave himself. He gave his life in exchange for your life. And therefore, we honor God as we come back to him. This is all how we honor the Lord. God has honored us. He's given his life for us. And in return, we honor him by giving our life back to him. Come on, how many know, if God gave his all for you, the least we can do is give our all for him. He, how many know, he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. And I'm going to tell you, if you can understand that the greatest thing is for me to give myself to him, just to go all in and go, God, you can have all of me, then, then generosity flows out of a heart because we realize that generosity is worship. The reason why we actually do our tithes and offerings at the end of the service is because it's just as much a part of worship as preaching and singing is. Because we give ourselves to the Lord and say, God, this is yours. It's all yours. So just as much as we pray, God, bless me. God, help me. God, heal me. God, forgive me. When you realize that God is, is doing that and has done all that, how I many know all it does is a grateful heart overflows and all you want to do is give back to him. It's an act of worship. And we're going to get a chance to continue in worship to him. I, I know this. It may not be soon, it may be down the road, but at some point you're going to thank me for this message right here. Because you're going to realize that you will miss things that you give, that you wasted. You'll miss things that you may be poorly invested. You'll miss the money you gave to your crazy uncle. Okay, you'll miss all those things. But one of the things I know you will never miss is you will never miss what you invest in eternity. You'll never miss it whatsoever. And my prayer for you is to understand how important that is, that our motivation is heaven. There is more to this life than this life. And if you're going through hell right now, be encouraged. God is with you. God is for you. This is not the end. The next life gets better. Heaven is better. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you. God, I thank you so much for your people today. God, as we are reminded today that heaven is better. And God, all throughout Scripture, you are encouraging and challenging us to set our sights on that which is eternal, not on that which is temporary. And so God, I pray right now for every person that is right here, that is in this room, that is maybe walking through a very difficult moment in their life right now. God, I pray that you would help give them perspective. Help them to see the hope that we have in you. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're not some far off God that's watching from a distance, but your word says that you're beside the Father interceding for us. And God, that your Holy Spirit has been dispatched onto this earth to not only be our divine encourager, but to also be our strength and weakness, to be our helper, to be our guide. So today we thank you that the Holy Spirit is tethering us to heaven. We have divine connection with you. 
So God, today I pray that you would give hope and encouragement and faith in this house as we look to the hills where our help comes from is from you. God, we thank you for the blessings of God that are on us. Maybe we're going through a hard time, but more than anything, we realize that everything that we have is because of the blessings of God. We thank you for the relationships that have been a blessing. We thank you for the resources that have been a blessing. We thank you for the jobs and the abilities that you've given us that are blessings. God, your desire is not for us to use those just on ourselves, but God, for us to use them to make a difference for your kingdom. If you're here in this room and you have not done that last part, which is the most important part, that we give ourselves to God. Notice I didn't say we give ourselves to the church, but we give ourselves to God. It's because a church can't save you, a priest can't save you, a pastor can't save you, a program can't save you. There's not any good enough things that you can do that can save you. The Bible says that in order for us to see heaven, that one must be born again. And born again is just a simple phrase of what it means for us to be dead on the inside and through the power and resurrection of the cross and our surrendered life to him, he comes and he begins to change us from the inside out. If you in here have never been spiritually born again, just like you have a physical birthday, but you don't have a spiritual birthday, the day that Jesus came and he made you alive in Christ. If that's you in this room, I want to pray for you because the greatest decision you can make today is to not walk out of this place alive in body but dead in spirit. That you can walk out of this place alive in Christ. It's simple. It's as simple as ABC. We admit that we're sinners. We believe that Jesus Christ, he died on the cross for our sin and our shame and our guilt and he took it and he rose again. And if we will confess our sins and turn from them and confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life, we shall be saved. If that's you in this room and you've never prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to come and to be and make you new again, I want to pray for you. On the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up and say, Pastor Josh, that's me. Would you pray for me? One, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room, thank you. Right there in the back, one. Thank you over here. Two, three. Anybody else right here? Praise God. Anybody else? Man, amazing. Come on, our, our church is going to pray right alongside with you. I want you to make this declaration, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to just say this right there where you are. I want you to, I want you to declare this in your heart. I want you to say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and living a life that I couldn't live and you died a death that I deserved. You took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Today I turn from my sin. I repent, and I turn to you to be born again. God, be my Father. Jesus, be my Savior. Holy Spirit, be my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.